everyone, and welcome to episode 402 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Seth Red Olive, and we have the full crew here this week. Kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. Good morning, Richard. How are you today? Hey, Seth. Good morning. <laughs> Lots of news today. Lots oh, of news. It's a, it's a big one. It is a big one. Tons of stuff to talk about. But before we get into that, we got another co-host in Krim. How are you today, Krim? Good morning. Yeah, like I, I just woke up and saw a bunch of the news that on top of the uh, news that are already dropped over the week. So, yeah. Yeah, so we got plenty to talk about this week. We just got a big VNR announcement. We also got a bunch of product announcements, including 30th anniversary edition that we got to talk about. And then there's like spoiler cards and secret layer announcements, some infinity issues. We'll see how much that we get through this guest, but we're going to get through as much as possible. If we got time, even get in a fish mail question or two. So that's the plan for today. Before we get into it though, a reminder that today's show is brought to you by card conduit and card conduit. They're the easiest way to sell your magic cards. If you're tired of all the hassles that go into buy listing, Card Conduit lets you skip all the typing, all the time, all the work. With their curated service, you can send in as many cards as you want with a buy list value of a dollar or more and pay just a 5% service fee. And if you want to put in a bit of effort on your end, you can use their sorted service where you list and sort your cards in advance and pay just a 2% fee. And no matter which option you choose, you're going to get a detailed report with the results in a fast payment once your order is processed. And right now, you can even get another 10% off if you head over to cardconduit.com slash Goldfish. Card Conduit, they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards. So thanks so much to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And let's talk some magic, and let's start with the big and newest news, which is surprise BNR update. We got kind of a leak because a URL went up suggesting there would be a BNR an update today on like Friday or Saturday. We just like an hour ago, as of when we're recording this, actually got to see the bannings. Richard, what actually changed in this BNR? All right, standard and modern banning. Surprisingly, everyone's just like, oh, they're just gonna ban some random stuff in Pioneer, but. Uh, standard, the Meatball Massacre. The Meat Hook Massacre is banned. And in modern, our favorite companion, uh, Yorion. Yorion bites the dust, finally, after how many years? Uh, so, uh, Meatball and Yorion. Cards uh, you guys have been calling for for a while. So, what do you, what do you I think? mean... These were these were at the top of my list. Like these were the two cards that I have kind of been thinking need to be banned the most. There were other possibilities, like Fable the Mirror Breaker someplace or whatever, but Meehook and Standard, that's a card that we've been talking about needing to be banned for months now. And I think the data backs it up. It, right now was it like 60% of the meta when it got banned, but it was up to 75%. Black decks are still everywhere in the format. Aggro really hard to actually play because of Meat Hook and also Shieldred. I think that getting rid of meat hook potentially opens up the possibility of aggro being a thing in standard yeah you still got to beat shieldred but at least that dies to a removal spell even like mono red is going to have answers to shieldred if they want to and shieldred has to sit on the battlefield meat hook massacre most of the damage is its etb effect where it comes down and sweeps your board and gains you a bunch of life i am hoping that as a result of this maybe we'll get to see aggro in standard maybe we'll get to see tokens like i was super hyped about the possibility of tokens when streets of nuka Pena came out but really with meat hook running around you 
you just can't try to go wide with little creatures. It's just not going to work out. So I think this is a home run banning. Like, uh, I think black is still going to be good. So if you're someone who bought into a black deck, I don't think your Lilianas and Graveyard Trespassers and Tenacious Underdogs are going to be useless. But hopefully this opens up the format to other colors. But what do you think about this one, Krim and Standard? Well, I mean, like, it... it makes sense right this is just the highest percentage uh played card so i mean we we've seen black just pretty much destroy aggro and yeah like you had mentioned i think this kind of opens up the field a little bit uh but like it's not hard for them to deal with a shieldred now that all they have to do is like kind of like sideboard for it or prepare for it with that way um and i don't know i mean the, is there anything else that like i i kind of thought fable might have eaten it this with this BNR, but I guess Fable is still here for a little bit longer. I feel yeah. like it would be really hard with all the talk about black and standard to just ban a red card. <laughs> I think Wizards True. would get a lot of pushback of just like, what? Why are you banning a red card when black is so dominant? So maybe that's why, even though Fable is undoubtedly busted. But uh, what do you so, think, Richard? I think effectively this does nothing to the metagame aside from kill Rakdos Sacrifice. Uh, because if you actually look, like, people don't play that much meatball anymore, right? Like, Rafines, like, play one or two, maybe. Like, you know, you go one or two and maybe one in the sideboard. But, like, what always comes with black is Fable, Blood Tithe Harvester, right? Like, or Rafine. Like, black is dominant in the metagame, but, like, there's so much red and Rakdos in specific, right? You have Rakdos, you have Jund, you have Grixis. Right. So I actually don't think this does anything. Right. And aggro still has an uphill battle. Right. They still have Shouldred. They still have uh, Wandering Emperor, which gains life. They still have Knockout Blow, Sunset Revelry, every white creature lifelinks at two drop. Right. Like it, it has a really hard time. And people are still reanimating uh, Titans or whatever that gain life and playing Rhinos. Like I think like aggro is just not gonna do anything and your aggro will still be like a delver deck or something right like something that goes low and then holds up counter spells like rafine is your aggro deck right like you get a rafine down and then you try to counter whatever depopulate meatball massacre farewell burn the house whatever sweepers coming down so i i'm actually surprised by this i know everyone likes to meme on black but like i haven't seen a liliana in weeks like no one plays that card anymore right it's like garbage right like it's just children and then, like, splashing of meatballs and then removal. Uh, and, you know, there's red removal, there's white removal. Like, removal's not that hard in standard. So, uh, <sighs> rip Anvil players. Like, they really got <laughs> wrecked by this. Uh, but Anvil was more of a moto thing. I don't know if it really caught on in Arena, but uh, Anvil's been, like, really crushing the moto meta. So, rip that deck, I guess. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, so like, I guess... Meat Hook was really oh, go good against some of that as well, right? I mean, like the anvil, anvil. The anvil deck wanted to meatball themselves to kill you, right? Like they, they really I mean, yeah. use that blood, like uh, blood artist effect, right? But being able to do X for one usually knock the deck down a bit. Also keeps, as Seth had mentioned, tokens decks. Uh, the token deck never really took off, and unless like I, I, I made a video on it, like oh, I think a couple weeks ago. Unless you're playing like Broker's Ascendancy, you need Broker's Ascendancy to grow past. Uh, like like the the meat hook massacre. So, I don't know. I mean, meat hook makes sense, but I just kind of surprised that like, uh, fable didn't eat it as well. So that's just the main thing. Because I think that that card is going to be 
the next uh like the next step down from meat hook it's going to be that percentages wise but, but now that your tokens don't gain life from meat hook maybe it's fine. <laughs> that's <so>. fair <laughs> no i'm i'm not joking you only I, the four life for one is... yourself trying to get rid of this fable the <laughs> breaker it's fine i yeah like but fable doesn't feel as bad right like i feel like from a psychological perspective if you're just like someone grinding on arena when someone meat hooks and rasp your board and gains a life it's like kind of a big oh my god not again but when someone casts a fable it's just a two two and then they loot a little bit from a spiky win and loss perspective (laughs) it's like it's an absurd card it's so good but i don't know if it's gonna get i don't know does it feel bad it's not a card i hear people complain about i hear like spiky pros talk about is it too good but it not like the meat hook massacre as far as just like the overall perception in the community i don't think not that it there shouldn't or couldn't be banned there's but. no counterplay to fate the, the counterplay yeah. is have a counter spell right <laughs> have a counter spell or try to like sweep the whole board away right because there's no like there, there's the three the uh, four mana jund spell that like kills a creature and then like snipes an artifact but there's no clean answer right like you're two for running yourself easily and if you don't deal with any fable abilities immediately you die like if that goblin keeps hitting you they they like ramp multiple times you're dead if they untap with the the cloning ability uh you're probably dead right like a titan comes down like any creature blood tithe harvester you're dead right so it's i always grow when i see it right and you really just need to go over the top of it or hope they get a terrible draw like they're holding shouldred and the fable so they can't clone right but (laughs) At least meatball, I, you can play around, right? Like, don't, you know, play bigger creatures, counter it. You have time to set up. Like, you can actually deploy threats and then counter a meatball, where you can't really deploy threats and counter Fable unless you're playing a, a Flash deck, right? right. I, I, the Fable just hoses you. Like, it, 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 I think it's quietly just one of those things that people don't think about because it yeah. doesn't look that bad at front, up front, and it's not like, you know, the big $70 Mythic or something like that. It, but it is the reason why almost any deck will have consistency. Some decks will just straight up add red for it. Uh, the loot is good in multiple archetypes. Like there, it just gives so much consistency. It definitely does. I mean, I think I'm a little higher than you guys on the chance of standard actually changing as a result of this. I just, over the weekend, I was uh, doing some standard grinding. I got to Mythic. I was just looking at my stats. I played, out of the 30 matches that I played with this deck to get to Mythic, uh, 23 were uh, black-based decks. So I was playing black decks like 75% of the time. It's hard for me to imagine it's going to remain that high. And I do think aggro is going to actually have like some shot now. Yeah, there's still things, lifelinkers and shieldreds, but I think you can actually like play mono red with a straight face now and have like some chance of winning. So I'm not saying black's bad and we're going to see this whole uh, scale change where like like tokens are the best deck now or mono red's number one but i do think this is it's gotta knock black down a little bit right like as far as i can tell me looks like probably one of the most powerful cards in that deck at least and it seems like it's gonna be a lot harder to like oh you know liliana and get back my tenacious underdog a bunch of times and spend a bunch of life on this like if you don't have the meat hook is a stabilization factor to keep you going so i don't know i think it was yeah. a good choice I-, I think i mean i think I- we'll see more white Right, like, I, yeah. like the white decks have been strong. I think you played the enchantments deck, Seth, on Much of Brew. <laughs> I've been playing only white since standard rotation. Ironic, right? Because Liliana sucks, but I've made one hundred fifty dollars on Moto. My win rate is something like seventy percent, right? And 
Like I'm just farming black decks all day with white, right? And you know, when they add red, I'm in trouble. But if they're yeah. just black, white, or black, or whatever, like they, they just get destroyed. And white is incredibly strong. Uh, and I think we'll see more people play white. Um, not because the meta is different, because they're like, oh, they're like, oh, black is nerfed, better play something else, right? But like white's been strong this whole time, right? Red has been strong this whole time. Just uh, not red aggro, just fable. Uh, <laughs> but I think I think red aggro is still hosed. And I think if you if you Take red aggro, I think you're going to get shocked by the amount of, like, life-linking spells we have. Like, knockout blow, the, the stupid black one that people play. Like, they're just like, whatever, right? <laughs> like, just, I'll, I'll hose you. So, I, I don't... If, if you're playing red, I think you go big and go fable. And then, like, there's nothing you can, that can stop you there, right? But if you play, like, a, a two a one-mana 2-2 two, two and hope to get there, like, so much life-linking in standard right now. That's true. Uh, the deck I got to Mythic with, with uh, was Angels, actually. Angels, I think, are like a sneaky, sneaky rogue all-star. Uh, yeah. Archangel of Wrath is so good. Just coming down and like gaining that life and sniping things. But yeah, that's I, I'm hyped for it. I'm hyped because I love the Angel deck, and it probably gets better now without having to deal with the okay. Massacre. So. Krim, is green saved? Do Ooh. we have something that's not sneaking in? <laughs> a seven drop? I mean... <laughs> is green saved now that black is out? No, black is not out by any means. Okay, black this. is knocked down to pig size. <laughs> yeah, n- black is now like instead of like ninety nine point nine percent chance to win, it's like probably like ninety percent, right? I I I don't think green takes off here. Green is oddly okay. Green is back to what green used to like do best. Outside of doing everything, they are now just playing big creatures, right? They're good at getting big creatures. So they were already pretty decent at getting out of meat hook range. The problem is, I think that the removal, the the invoke despair, the whole the package of black as a whole still keeps green down. Um, if if green does take off though, I do have to wonder like how much of like the low to the ground decks will also prevail, right? Like, like mono red will struggle against a six, six, uh, defiler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, like, like mono white will have to start playing destroy evil and all that stuff and faded, uh, fateful absence. So, uh, if green somehow takes off, then, then the low to the ground decks will have a problem, but I'm not sure what losing meat hook changes for mono green. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it helps much because green is like the one color that can kind of like outscale, I think, a meat hook the most easily with its counters and just having big threats. So yeah. I don't know if meat hook was a problem for green. I think I think green has <laughs> some other, shambles. Some other issues. Meat hook, yeah. was, <laughs> meat hook was profit up <laughs> what? what about modern? The other big news was Yarion in modern. Right now in modern, Yarion's like 10% of the meta, which isn't an absurd number compared to like meat hook and some of the rates you see in standard, but it's still a pretty heavily played card. It's in some of the most played decks wizards justification for this banning. I thought was really interesting. Their uh, main justification. They talked about it being a pretty good deck and having a good win rate. But one of the things they really harped on was the shuffling, the de- dexterity issues of an 80 card deck with a lot of fetch lands, paper magic coming back. And that really rang hollow to me in a world where Commander is the most popular format. Like people are shuffling 100 card decks with tutors and fetch lands constantly. What do you think about the, uh, well, what do you think about the banning in general? And what do you think about the idea that it was banned because shuffling an 80 card deck is too clunky? 
I I I think the banning of Yorion is kind of random. There's so much more that's offensive. And if they're they're like like to the meta, right? Like and it's and trust me, it's not the shuffling, right? If that if if it's the shuffling, then it's all the tutoring and the fetch lands themselves, not Yorion. Because exactly, we've like a lot of modern uh, I mean a lot of commander already exists now unless they're they're assuming that like you know modern players just can't handle with with their baby hands, you know, just aren't able to handle uh, uh shuffling a deck like I, I don't I don't know why that's that's a thing. Uh but but yeah, like the if it's the shuffling, that doesn't make sense. There's so much worse out there that's making you shuffle. The power level also doesn't make sense because I again I I think Yorion isn't that absurd. Is it is it really that absurd? Because there's so much more that's offensive. I just think that they needed to throw a dart at something in Yorion, which was something people called out like months and months and months back. Uh, like, just took the fall for it. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Krim. I think power level-wise, it doesn't make sense. Logistic-wise, I'm on with Wizards here. Like, so if you talk to actual modern paper players, which there's, like, probably five of them, but, like, they're, like, every <laughs> round that goes to time, it's an Omnath player, right? It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a Omnath True. player, and what are they doing? They're probably shuffling their deck. I don't know <laughs> what they're doing, but they play super slow, and they just grind out the value, so this is like kind of the sensei's dividing top ban. Like they're like it's taking too much time, and like noobs are taking too long. The optics of having these huge decks worth like two thousand dollars, I think, like logistically, if you were a modern player and you're like, oh, I need to play Omnath because it's the best deck, and like, oh no, I don't want to buy like all these cards and get a new deck box because my deck box doesn't contain it. <laughs> Gotta work out my baby hands. Can't shuffle my deck, right? Like. It just shouldn't be a thing. Like, they, like it's just a weird thing. So I I agree that logistically it should go. You you like sure power level wise? There's probably other cards that you could probably hit. Like maybe like Ren and Six. That's like gluing together these like super uh, crazy decks or uh, a crazy mana bases or maybe uh, our favorite Urza Saga or something like that. Right? But I think like what does this hit? This hits Omnath. This hits. Omnath is Omnath is a big one. Uh, some of the Cascade decks, like five color Cascade rhinos, decks run it. Niv to like Blink value taxes. There's some control Azorius control. Yeah, the, I think Ooh. the most common death and taxes decks are actually Yarian piles. And I think I think well, there's a bunch of reasons I like this band. One is companion is just a miserable mechanic, and I'm glad to see the other popular. We got rid of Lurus, now we get rid of Yarion. We're going into a mostly tame companion modern, which is exciting to me. I also think Yarion has a bit of the mental misstep problem. I know this is something that Aspiring Spike mentioned too that. In modern, if your opponent has the Yarion, it puts a lot of pressure on you to have the Yarion to match your opponent's Yarion. And you get into these mental misstep wars where it's like, well, I don't really want to play mental misstep, but I need it to counter my opponent's mental misstep. And next thing you know, everyone's like, or many people are playing Yarion. So they also have the, you know, start in your hand four or five. So I feel like uh, it's, I think it's going to help. I don't know if this reduces the four and five color piles. I, I, I'm honestly not sure if this yeah. makes them meaningfully worse overall. Uh, so I still think we're going to see these four and five color piles be really good. They'll be a little cheaper because you can play 20 less cards and have a legal deck, which I think is some upside. Uh, so I don't think this really shifts the meta as much as it just reduces the cost of the format and hopefully maybe makes the format a little bit better overall just because... Oh, companions, what a mistake. 
So, so the the remaining ones are what? Uh, the, the five, Giganta and Kahira. Those are the two that still see play. There, and those Giganta's probably or? number one now at this point. I mean, like Zada's Zada's around. I never really see Zada. I guess there's like fringe combo decks maybe, but I don't think we're gonna have a dominant one. Like now that you got past Lorian and uh, Yarian and Luris, there's nothing that's like this is so good. I need to warp my deck to play it. Jengatha is like the free roll where it's like, oh, like this just kind of works, so I might as well. But I don't think you like change your deck to make Jengatha show up in your deck for the most part. So are we companion free finally? Like, oh, I would be so excited by that. It's It took a long time. They should have just banned them all outright. But it helps but... my mulliganing decisions. <laughs> I, can, I can see So you can know what your opponent's playing. doing? It doesn't help because it can be one of like five archetypes running this companion. But nonetheless, I feel better keeping my opening hand. <laughs> So wait, if we think Yarian's not going to cause a huge upheaval in modern, and y'all think Meathook Massacre is not going to have a huge cha uh, cause a huge change to standard, does that mean these bannings actually don't do that much, or as much as people think? Is that where is that where we're at overall? I I, I genuinely think that okay. So the the banning in standard will do a lot. Um, I don't. I mean, I guess okay. Let's be honest here. The Yorion. Banning will do a good amount of change when it comes to deck building. You'll see a lot of decks drop down, but uh, in in like deck size. But I don't think that's necessarily going to make it like the, so that that you know four color control is gone, right? Like I I think I think a card that could have gotten an axe is Omnath, to be honest with you. But like th this, there's just no way that like this changes. Because I mean, didn't some decks just play eighty cards to try it without Yorion? I'm sure someone right. has. I, I don't know if yeah, I've like, seen it, but you could probably. I'm pretty sure I've seen <laughs> them just reason. play 80 cards without you. I mean, because, you know, box. The, <laughs> the, <laughs> they, there was too much space in their deck box. They didn't like it, so they wanted to even it out. You know, like, I'm pretty sure I've seen somebody online, like, play just straight up 80 cards for fun. Or maybe I mean, they I mean, were trying I'm, I'm to sure be a Yarian deck and messed it up. Like that or, is yeah. also possible. It wasn't actually illegal somehow. <laughs> they had 79 yeah, cards Yeah, they, they lost something. it in an anti-match. Uh, but <laughs> it, it I, like, we've died so many times without the Yorion player putting Yorion in their hands, right? Like, right. that's just like a backup plan, right? Like, they don't always get it. Like, you just die to Omnath's crushing pile of value many times, right? So I don't yeah. think that kills this deck at all. I don't think it actually even shuffles the meta around that much, actually. I mean, maybe that deck is slightly worse, but it's not, like, unplayable or even significantly worse. Like, I, I think it's still a top-tier deck, but I guess we'll see what happens. It'll be cheaper, at least, to some extent, which is nice, because so pretty much all the cards in the deck are super expensive. I think if they wanted to actually hurt the archetype, maybe Ren? Maybe a Ren in six would be the way to go, yeah, or Ren or Omnath. Would I'm still on. I think it's got to be Omnath or 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 the Ren, yeah, because that continues the re like recycling of fetch lands. So we've got to keep shuffling and shuffling and shuffling. So I don't know. Also, speaking of stuff we've talked about for years, uh, Express Federation is still the hidden power behind like Murktide and the Omnath oh, yeah. decks. Like, that's the card, too, that I would just not mind seeing banned because I think that is sneakily another card that just holds so many decks together. All right. I'm well, curious good, why... The good news is Omnath plays, like, every card in the format, so, like, the whole <laughs> format as a whole should get cheaper, right? As all the Omnath <laughs> players, like, unload 
like twenty uh, percent of their deck or whatever. Like, so the whole format should get cheaper theoretically. I'm also like super curious to see what gets cut. Like, if you look at an Omnath deck, it's not playing a bunch of horrible cards. Like, all the cards are pretty good. So I'm curious to see what people actually drop now that they're they got to take twenty cards out of their decks. Why do everything those, Seth? And most of those decks are. <laughs> They're only playing 28 lands. So it's not like you can cut a huge amount of lands. Uh, you're going to cut, what, like three lands or four lands and then 15 non-land cards or something? That's that's going to be interesting. I, I mean, I guess you can just go one of each. That would be hilarious. Maybe it's like the fillery, like Mishra's Bobble is a little fillery. Traverse, maybe you don't need Traverse Uvenwald if you only have 60 cards. So maybe that's where you head. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, uh, how the deck list actually looks. But I think people will still be playing it for sure. But we gotta we gotta move on. Any other banning thoughts? Because we got another huge topic to get to. So final thoughts on today's BNR. Anything? Uh I guess I'm excited to see if anything actually changes up when it comes to standard, like when it comes to power levels of standard. Uh and maybe new archetypes. So I'm excited to see that. It'll feel fresh at least, uh, a little bit for a few days. So. Yeah. It'll it'll be a fun for month a leading days. up to the Brothers War. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Richard, we actually any, have a three days of Moto and MTG Arena lag, so it's actually kind of interesting that the Arena one takes a while. It's Thursday that it becomes uh, effective, but today Moto is effective, so we might actually get challenge results or something before Arena goes live. Oh, interesting. Oh, that's going to make recording standard content <laughs> awkward the next three days now, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> uh, uh, oops. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's let's move on to our other big topic. So last week was a big announcement stream. Wizards held a special stream. All this 30th anniversary stuff. They announced a bunch of promos and all this sweet stuff that they're doing. But then at the very end of the stream... They made a huge announcement that has been the topic in the community for the past week, which is 30th Anniversary Edition. Richard, what is 30th Anniversary Edition? All right, it is a product not for us, but okay. So here's the here's the news in case you've been living under a rock, okay? They're reprinting Alpha in gold border. Minus a couple of cards, which are not reprinting for, uh, you know, for, for Wizards reasons. Uh, but the gold border is actually on the back. So the, the back of the card is a new card back. This is 30th anniversary. The front is black border. Uh, this is beta. So Black Lotus Power 9, all here. And they have retro frames as well. So they have Black Lotus in a modern frame and then Black Lotus in the retro frame. Uh of note, dual lands do not have the little stripey pattern in the text box, so they actually look different. And then there's also a 30th anniversary uh, set symbol that you see in the right side. Uh, and uh, the, the thing that really got people mad is that this product is $999, and it's $999 for four packs, and the packs are randomized. Uh, so you are getting four rares. Uh, in this and uh, outside of Power Nine, the most of the rares are doo doo, and uh, Wizards has also doubled the collation on dual lands in this, right? Uh, so that that is the facts. Uh, we will now move <laughs> to opinions. Um, <laughs> what are your guys' opinions on this? <laughs> oh, this feels like a, a spicy one. Okay, so I don't know. I I I think that the 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 proxy stuff it's essentially they gave they printed out some some proxies uh <laughs> they 
I don't know how I feel about the fact that. Okay, so how does this get around the reserve list? What is it exactly? Because so reserve list promise was tournament legal. So right? so what, these are so not tournament legal, although people are expecting commander players to play these and. What's interesting is Wizards has hidden the gold back on the back behind sleeves, right? So if you just sleeve this up, uh, it looks like a legitimate card, right? And uh, the original Collector's Edition had square borders, um, but these look like magic cards from the front. Well, if it if that's the case, then couldn't they have done this a billion years? Like, I, I guess... I, I don't know. Like, aren't the tournament legal cards, like, no more than, like, 60 bucks? Like, they're, they're not that expensive, right? Wait, what are we talking about? Wait, what? Or, yeah, what? Not the tournament, tournament legal cards? Not the, the non-tournament, the gold board. Oh, no, no, no. The Collector's original. Edition is ridiculously expensive. Oh, yeah. Even, oh, like the, my God. The original Collector's Edition that was released in, like, 93 or 95 or whatever. Yeah. Um, like, the average, like, power slash dual land is, like, $850. Like, a, Still, a Lotus wow. is several thousand dollars and conveniently if you do the math editor our editor did the math and frank carson did the math the average price of power nine or the average price of a desirable cards which we've called power nine or dual lands is like 800 bucks roughly so wizards actually priced this product um, with their msrp to be roughly tcg mid which for you know, collector's edition yeah for, which, for collector's uh, edition right which is oh what a coincidence right <laughs> yeah so, uh, to, so so these are expensive and these will be expensive um and the collector's edition you know if you want a black lotus it's several thousand dollars right yeah um, so they're not they're not cheap like throwaway cards in, in a world where i guess we don't we don't like care about like if they're gold border or not now because it's all going into casual like i guess not i can you even say this is going into casual because these are like this is a thousand dollars to get potentially some really bad cards, right? Like, yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. It's a thousand dollars to get some really, really, really big feel bads. Like, wow. I, I have no idea who this is for. That's, I mean, there's so many things we could say about this product, but when it comes down to it, I don't really understand outside of like speculators and people doing finance stuff, who is this product for? So if you're a player, and you want to play commander and you need uh, dual lands or want dual lands for your commander deck, why would you spend $1,000 for four packs of proxies that may or may not give you what you want when you can get a proxy that's not from Wizards for five bucks or whatever? Like, I just don't understand what this does for players. And then if you're someone who actually has money that you'd be considering this product, wouldn't you be better off just like, buying some alpha cards that you like or buying a full a complete set of revised or something the price is so incredibly high that i feel like if you are someone who has a lot of money and you want to collect stuff why would you put it into this when you could put it into quote unquote like real or tournament legal magic cards so i really don't know outside of financial shenanigans who is this for do you guys have any idea like who, outside of people who are speculating who is actually going to buy this product that's what i was wondering because like that's the, the only people, people I could see getting buy collector's the edition. I don't know who no, they are, not, but people buy collector's edition no, like today, right? Like today, those cards still sell and they maintain a hefty premium, right? Uh, so whoever's buying those will love these. Um, and I, I think 
So, okay, so some people are outraged at the $1,000 price, rightfully so, right? But these are clearly not worth zero, right? Like, some people are expecting them to not sell oh, and yeah. to go to zero. Uh, but this is your first chance at getting, like, uh, a, uh, I, don't, I don't know what popular grading service is, but, like, a perfect Black Lotus encased in a slab of plastic, right, from uh, Wizards, yeah. right? What? So I think these will be worth some amount of money, whether it's worth you know, the $800 that we calculate as average or it trends half down. But there's some price at which we would buy this, right? Like if the price keeps dropping and Black Lotus is like, you know, $2,000, would you buy it? If it's $1,000, would you buy it? If it's $50, would you buy it? Like at some point people would buy it, right? So the question is, what is that point? Well, no, or do you think everyone's so outraged it just goes to zero as like a matter of principle? Right? Oh, these like, no these, I, these will sell. These will sell. Yeah. Like there, I have no doubt that they're like the collectors because so there's some there are collectors in Magic that have pretty deep pockets and are willing to spend whatever on Magic, right? Uh, I, I'm just curious as to like the, that. I feel like that's still a very small demographic, but maybe that's just my opinion. Uh, but like. I I do believe that what the revised underground C is like eight hundred bucks, right? Like like it's yeah. probably around maybe a little Somewhere bit more. In let's, there. let's let's it's eight hundred to nine hundred dollars. So I guess my thing here is unless you the only reason you buy this is because you care that it's a thirtieth anniversary product because I think you kind of can already get the real thing. Like for like you, you aren't getting a booster pack of four random things, but I would rather pay the eight hundred, nine hundred dollars and for sure get an underground C than spend a thousand dollars and get some really, really bad cards. But would you pay four hundred dollars for a thirtieth anniversary underground C? Or would you pay zero dollars and use a proxy? Like that's the real question that people are debating. Or what about a hundred dollars? Would you do it, right? Like is there a price point at which we would flip to this or that's that's what i asked myself when it comes to like the booster pack not even talking about the singles in it strictly the booster pack i love my 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 promos and my variant arts and all these other things right so and i don't mind collector's edition cards i think they're pretty sweet so uh but but like a booster pack i think i asked myself this and the number i settled on was probably the most the absolute most i would pay is about 450 $450 $450 for a booster pack? For eight, that is, more, you mean for four booster packs? Yeah, for the, currently, for the <laughs> currently wait, each booster is two fifty. So you'd pay right? so you'd pay more than a hundred dollars a pack if you uh, if you had the, the option. But this, this is the absolute most I would pay. But not saying that I would, right? Like it's still yeah. like, oh, I would really have to tank on this. But like that is the most absurd, right? And I'm thinking because I think like what, uh the, the mythic editions, right? Like, I'm thinking, like, stuff along those lines. I look at it a little bit like a Mythic Edition, but with a lot more RNG involved. But they're legal. They're legal. They, that's they a, are that's legal. the thing, the but foundation of all of this the, is Wizards, legal, like, is explicitly saying these cards are not legal. <laughs> the legal part of it does not matter to me when I play mostly Commander now, right? Like, so, like, to, I, I look at it that lens. So, if I do not care if they are tournament legal, how much am I willing to pay? And I And, like... 400 450 is like the most absurd highly priced thing i might buy this like you know on like as a wedding present present to myself or like a special occasion kind of thing right but like that even then that is the absolute most not saying what i want to spend i would realistically want to spend like maybe a collector's booster like 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 maybe a hundred bucks a hundred bucks 
I mean, my my question, my question would be though, if you're okay with it not being tournament legal, why wouldn't you just buy a proxy for five bucks? Like, what what is the appeal of spending a relatively high price for illegal cards? Collecting. Uh, but I, these it's, it's still just, a wizard's product. Yeah, like like it is a wizard's <clears throat> licensed product that I do not care if I can play it. I just like collecting. Not saying I want. I like even then, uh, four hundred is absurdly expensive. Again, I do not want to spend this. But that is the absolute most I would probably spend. Okay, I will. Here, here's a question for you guys. Right. Okay. So on one end, you have this reprint from Watsi. On the other hand, you have like Island with Black Lotus Sharpie on it. Right. So some people don't like the aesthetics of like, you know, a literal sharpied paper. Uh, so they, they want to buy a Black Lotus, right? So they buy this quote unquote, not for tournament play card. Where does this lead actual counterfeits where uh, it is not like custom art or anything? It's actually another company printing a Black Lotus, right? Not from Wizards, but it looks exactly the same. And it's quote, not made for tournament play. Right. Like, where does this lead counterfeits? Right. Like, is it any different if I play a counterfeit than if I play a 30th anniversary Black Lotus? Uh, if you ignore Watsi's point, right, obviously, Watsi doesn't want you to counterfeit cards. Right. But, you know, is it actually any different at this point? I think it, like the, the thing about counterfeits is the intent, is it not like the intent to sell you? A fake, a really no, no, good-looking I mean, fake. So let's say there's no deception, right? So when you buy from the seller, they're like, it's a counterfeit, right? It's like $2. Okay. You don't try to trade it to anyone. You don't try to represent it as a legit card, right? If your friends ask, you're like, this is counterfeit Black Lotus, my friends, right? Like, check the back. The back is gold bordered, right? <laughs> but, like, you don't try to deceive anyone. Like, is it still unethical? My uh, my concern when it comes to counterfeits is just them filtering out into the ecosystem and ending up scamming people. Like that's that's my concern. Is I, I you talk to people who are like, well, I'm never gonna sell my cards, or like I, I would never do that. But I've just bought enough collections over the years that I've actually bought collections that have counterfeit cards in them. I know how easy it is. Where it's like, oh, you know, you play Magic and then you go off to college and your mom sells your cards. Like, I feel like even if you think there's no risk, there is some risk. So that's my only concern. If that was not a concern, I don't really see a difference between a counterfeit card and a not legal card. I guess maybe there's some ethical things about like, are you comfortable with using an artist's art without them getting anything out of it? Kind of similar to like, I don't know, you know, pirating music or something. Like <laughs> some people have ethical qualms about just like, oh, if I really like an artist, I should be supporting them and not like taking their art for free. So I guess there's some questions there as well. But for all intents and purposes, there's no difference, right? Between a, a, a not legal card Wizards makes and a not legal card that someone else makes. Like, I, I think it's the kind of respect we have for wizards right we're like you know we're playing the game we should pay them the money right a counterfeit uh is not ethical right but i feel wizards just like lost all their goodwill with the pricing of this right and now oh, yeah. people are like screw wizards i'm getting counterfeits I right and if we're very worried about confusion with real cars like counterfeit producers can just make a card back that's blank right yeah. like there's no way you could confuse it but in a sleeve it looks identical Right. And yeah. I think Wizards really shot themselves in the foot by opening the door to this. Right. Like up until now, we're like, you know, there's just tournament legal cards and that's it. And, you know, there's collector's edition, but that's a relic of the past. Now that they brought it back, I think people are actually seriously looking at counterfeits and seriously 
being okay with it now, right? Like, whereas a month ago, they'd be like, nah, I never play a counterfeit, right? But now they're like, eh. I'm I'm actually like super surprised to see how the conversation has shifted because of this, because in the past, the conversation about proxies and counterfeits has mostly been about casual play. Like, you know, at your house, you're playing with your friends in your commander deck. Is anyone going to care if you play a counterfeit? But there have been a lot of people from the pro community come out and say, I'm I'm pro counterfeits. Like if you play counterfeits against me at a pro tour or in a tournament, that's cool. I'm not going to report you. This is this is absurd. If Wizards is doing this, then I just fully support people playing counterfeits, even for sanctioned play, which is that's not a conversation I've ever seen the community have before. Like that that's a new conversation because of this. And I think it's it makes sense to me because Wizards could have made this cheap. We talked about Collector's Edition. Collector's Edition, I know this was 30 years ago, but it was 50 bucks for the complete set. Even if you talk about inflation or whatever, there's it's priced so much cheaper than this and there's no gambling it's not randomized packs you're just getting all the cards from it and this is something that we've asked wizards to do we've mentioned before over the years gold border reprints that's the way to get around the reserve list you can go back to world championships go back to uh championship decks go back to collector's edition this will let you print official proxies and get around it and wizards response has always been no 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 that violates the spirit of the reserve list we're not going to do that we can't do that and then all of a sudden they can do it which something changed and now it's okay and they do it for just an absurd price they had to know there'd be a freak out about this right like there's no way wizards couldn't have known that people are going to respond negatively to this so i don't even know if this is a positive for wizards like in the short run sure it's going to sell a ton of copies i think it'll sell out it'll add a bunch to their bottom line for 2022 when they post their year-end results but in the longer term i feel like this is them really officially putting their stamp on proxies being okay and that's leading to this conversation about well maybe i should just play counterfeit cards if wizards are saying proxies are okay and they're going to sell their proxies for 250 dollars a pack why don't i just get counterfeit cards so in the long run i don't even know if this is going to be a good thing for wizards really yeah, they, they, they shattered the illusion of like value and quote unquote real cards, right? Like, we, yeah. we, like, okay, first of all, this is a piece of cardboard worth nothing. But we, like, oh, it's Black Lotus, it's <laughs> worth thousands, right? It's Underground Sea, it's worth hundreds, right? They've shattered this illusion by printing these non tournament legal ones now. And now people are seeing that, hey, these are pieces of cardboard. I'm going to go buy the counterfeit one for two bucks, right? Like, yes, here's a dollar for printing it, right? Uh, good luck, right? So I think that's a problem. Uh, so one thing you mentioned, Seth, was the spirit of the reserve list. <laughs> Do we feel this violates that? So the spirit of the reserve list was originally no tournament legal reprints, right? But in 2022, the most popular form of magic is not tournament, right? It's not sanctioned play. It's casual commander play. So if you reprint these cards for commander play, are you violating the spirit of the reserve list? So I think no. And also, I don't. Personally, I don't care what happens to the reserve list and if it violates the spirit of it, because I think that the reserve list shouldn't be there anyways. Uh, so, but like, I I do think that, like, yeah, I this doesn't. How does this violate it? It perfectly is in the means of what I always thought the the reserve list was. No tournament legal stuff, but this is why, like, decades, like this isn't just something like last year. People have said, people have said, just print gold border bordered versions of these cards decades ago like back when like world wake was just came out so i don't think this re like hits the res like the spirit of it at all i think it's absurdly overpriced so 
I mean, I think this, by Wizards' own terminology, does violate the spirit of the reserve list. It doesn't violate the letter of the reserve list. By the letter of the law, uh, tournament legal is necessary for the reserve list to be violated. So since these are not tournament legal, you're not violating the letter of the law. And I don't think anyone, you always have the conversations about, oh, could they get sued? Or a bunch of collectors going to take them to court? I don't think that could happen because of this, but Mark Rosewater has been asked about exactly this product many times over the years on his blog. Like, oh, why can't you print, you know, World Championship decks or Collector's Edition, Gold Border Edition? In every response is, it violates the spirit of the reserve list. If it doesn't violate the letter of the reserve list, it at least violates the spirit of the reserve list. So I think from Wizards' perspective, it does. I think the spirit of the reserve list is a is a silly argument, but I come from a perspective of not liking the reserve and wishing wizards would work around it more often. But I think for wizards, this clearly does based on their past public statements, which I think you could argue, maybe this is in a weird way the end of the reserve list. Like, is this just the first step? If they're willing to do what they've said is breaking the spirit of the reserve list, what's to stop them from just going further and further down this road in the future and eventually like actually getting rid of the reserve list? I mean, I think we got rules lawyered here. I mean, I don't agree with the reserve list, although my opinion has changed, which we'll talk about in a second. But originally, I didn't agree with the reserve list. But I think a proxy for tournament legal is like the official most popular played version of our game, which is sanctioned magic, we will not reprint into. In 2022, that's now Commander. And yeah. their intent is to reprint us into Commander, right? So I feel it's been violated. Um, so if I was a reserve list holder, you know, I, I would be... A little suspicious, right? Like, oh, they're either printing directly reserve list cards or things very similar to it, which will affect the collectability of my cards. So reserve list people are a bit on edge. But even the anti-reserve list people, I feel, got the biggest blow here, right? So if you wanted reserve list abolished, you were imagining like, oh, they would reprint dual lands for $10 a card, $5 a card, $1 a card, right? The whole collector's yep. edition for $100. Wizards has shown they'll just give you market price. TCG mid, right? So even if they abolished the reserve list tomorrow, I fully expect them to charge you like $1,000 per dual land, whether it be a secret layer or a randomized product. And in that world, like who cares if the reserve list is abolished or not, right? It means nothing, right? It means they're going to milk all the money out of it at market value. They're not going to give us like $10 dual lands in the next standard set, right? So yeah. I, I don't even see what the point of messing with the reserve list is anymore. Right, just make Hasbro more money, right? So I, I am actually kind of like anti-touching the reserve list now because Wizards has shown their hand, right? They're just going to charge you a thousand dollars, maybe even more, because it's now a, you know you can get it graded, you can have secret layers or whatever, right? But they're not going to sell it to you for like five bucks, ten bucks, or anything like that. Uh, this product makes that very clear. And that's why I went from being like super hyped to super disappointed in this product. Like when they first announced it, I thought, wow, this is going to make the game more accessible. Sure, it's not tournament legal, but for all those commander players that want to dual land or whatever, this is absolutely perfect. But the price shows that that's not their intention. And the sad part is it shows that they could do it if they wanted to. Like for many years, I thought, well, they just can't do it because even though I think it's silly, they have this spirit of the reserve list thing. So they, uh, from their perspective, they just can't do it. This shows they can do it and they just don't want to do it in a way that makes things more accessible, which is actually more painful. Like it's the can't versus won't thing. And, and won't is a little bit more painful than can't in this scenario for me. Cause if, if you just can't do it, at least I can, I can respect that. Even if I disagree with what you're saying, but if you're just choosing not to oh so i guess there's just 
I mean, if they're going to sell proxies for <laughs> this price, like Richard said, there's really no chance that we're going to get more accessible reserve list cards. So what do you guys recommend to players then? Like, let's say you want these cards to play in your commander deck. Is there a price point where they're worth buying? Should you just get other proxies? Should you get counterfeits? I guess we're having that conversation now. Like, what do players do with this? Honestly, I, I would just say get get, get a proxy. Like, just make, make your own. Would do whatever, you know. Or, or... Or, you know, don't get proxies, wink, 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 you know, like don't, <laughs> don't do whatever you have to do, wink. Uh, I, I mean, like, to be honest with you, the, I'm okay. Uh, maybe the thing is, I, I didn't care too much also because, yeah, they showed me it was a thousand bucks. I knew I wasn't going to buy it. I was like, yeah, this is not for me. So, and th that's all I did with it. And I just moved on with my day. I was like, this thing is dumb. I hate it. I don't, I don't, I don't want it. Right. I'm not going to pay a thousand dollars. All right. On to the next thing. Right. Uh, the, so I guess maybe that's the reason why I don't, I don't know. Like it, some of this though does feel like somebody like, like Watsy came in and elbow, like dropped the people's elbow on my dog. I don't, I don't think this is like, like the same as that. So for me, it's like, oh, this is out of my price range. I don't want it. And I just moved on. The audacity to market as a celebration for fans. Like, oh, cool. yeah. what, do, what do we get? To we get a slap out. in the yeah. face. No one can <laughs> afford this. No one wants to afford this. Um, but so for, I would say this. So whether you buy these or not, I think it's a personal decision, right? I don't think we should gatekeep. Like if someone plays with this, like you shouldn't be salty at oh, them yeah. or anything oh, like yeah. that, right? Uh, yeah. Like, you know, maybe like some universes beyond stuff. Like that should be between us and Wizards. And like always, the number one way to express your, you know, your disappointment in Wizards is to not buy this product, right? And then, of course, all the flippers will buy it. And when it goes up on TCG Player, do not buy it again, <laughs> right? Let it go to literal zero. Do not buy it, right? But it won't happen because someone is going to be like, oh, but ah, it is so underpriced now. And in 10 years, it'll be worth so much. And it's like the heuristic study problem, right? Once one person cracks, everyone cracks and like it goes ballistic, right? But... The only way to express your dissatisfaction is to not buy it, right? Like, no matter the price. And Wizards will be like, yeah, we, it's not profitable to make this product, right? Because if this turns a profit, they'll be like, yeah, the bad news washed over and all those grumpy boomers complained, <laughs> but now they're playing with, like, Street Fighter cards or whatever. It's fine, right? <laughs> like, you don't want them to get that perspective, right? So actually boycott the purchasing of this product if you actually are dissatisfied with the pricing and then uh fill out fill out the survey if you if you're so, i don't know if it does anything right but you know let it be known to wizards this is a right? that this is not acceptable price right um, yeah i mean i don't think ugh, i don't think it'll work unfortunately because i think this product will sell out and people buy it as you said like the heuristic study thing but Thankfully, there's many sweet proxy artists that make super cool proxies that are way, way cheaper than $800 for a dual land or whatever this is going to end up being. So I, I see this as wizards telling you it's okay to play proxies in Commander. To me, there's no other way to read this than proxies are acceptable and should be acceptable. This is the company that their livelihood depend on selling magic cards telling us that. So... I mean, go crazy, I guess. <laughs> like, you don't got to play Wizards proxies. There's tons of places to get much cheaper proxies. So I think, for me, I feel more comfortable, like, putting together a CDH deck that I want. I want to build the AO deck in paper. I feel a lot more comfortable having, like, half that deck be proxies at this point. Because Wizards, to me, is just saying, like, go for it. Like, we're cool with it. So 
So maybe it, there's something good that can come out it, of it. I, I gotta, I gotta say, it is so scummy putting the gold border on the back. Yeah. They just did it with acorns, right? Yeah. Like they put the acorn in the front, right? They didn't hide it in the back, right? And all of a sudden, they put it in the back, like oh, and everyone plays sleeved. What a coincidence, right? Like it is so scummy. Like I, I would be less upset if they weren't so like outrightly slapping me in the face right yeah. <laughs> like if they're yeah. just like look we need to make some money we're printing gold border cards like i know the collectors will buy it cool right but they're being all coy about it and it's like so transparent what they're doing by doubling the collation of dual lands hiding the gold border in the back right uh stuff like that so like it is like so insulting right yeah. and I, I don't i don't know what to do about this right but i'm like so insulted <laughs> But, uh, yeah, like, just, just what a scummy move, right? Like, acorns in the front, gold borders in the back. Like, come on, right? Come on. But the other thing that someone brought up that I think is interesting is that these cards might make it easier for counterfeiters because it's actually very difficult to, like, make an authentic-looking Alpha Black Lotus because the paper's 30 years old and the ink's 30 years old. But to make an authentic-looking Magic 30th anniversary, whatever... I feel like that's going to be a thing that we're going to have to be concerned about as well. So it's going to be wild, wild, wild to see how this turns out. <laughs> There's no one to check the, the authenticity of your proxies now, though, Seth. You're not in tournament yeah. play. Like, what are we going to do? Sit, sit down, talk about power levels, and inspect the legality yeah. of our cards, right? Like, get, get the loop, get the loop. Yeah, look get, for the dot yeah. pattern. <laughs> uh, all right, so that's that's 30th anniversary. Wow, so many topics today. Lightning, lightning round. There's a couple other topics. We're running... We're and long so we can't go uh, in depth on these topics but i gotta ask you about a couple more things number one infinity came out this week and uh there's been a few reddit posts i don't know if you all saw these about cards having acorn and non-acorn hollow stamps like literally the same card one of them has the legal stamp one of them has the illegal stamp what do we do about this we already were a little skeptical of acorns being a good solution to this legality problem what do you do if the the hollows are not consistent <laughs> oh boy <laughs> that's stressful i don't i don't know what you're supposed to do otherwise because now it's like okay hold on we'll look this up we have yeah. to look up every card that is played you really got to stay on top of this uh i i mean yeah this is a big no-no <laughs> they had these problems during previous season we're like oh it's just previous season <laughs> turns out they can't print the cards correctly i don't know that it matters that much because i don't know how popular these cards will be but I can fully see people like Krim who like to like alter their black bordered cards into white border. Now take like non acorn <laughs> cards and just throw acorns onto them for the heck of it, right? Like, why not? Um, like, I don't. I, I mean, it's it's just an it's a it's a statement about Wizards' quality control. But I think realistically, it's not going to matter much, right? Like, I think you need to look up these cards anyway, and if you're playing cards you'll probably tell people like hey this is actually not acorn this is a misprint right ah, right so i don't think logistically I, it's a real problem but just wizards quality control man yeah i mean I, that I, is I the issue although, although if you're gonna make the little hollow be the thing you gotta you gotta double down on the quality control for that product like if you're gonna make a big deal about that determining the legality 
I feel like you got to fix that problem. I feel like Wizards are just printing too many cards at this point where they just honestly can't keep up quality control wise, design wise. They're just printing so much that it's just they're overwhelming themselves, I think, with the amount of products. So, well, keep that in mind. You never know what you're going to get in your Infinity pack, I guess, acorn wise. The other news is we got more secret lair alerts. And I wanted to ask you guys about this because I feel like these are things you guys might care about. Uh, Final Fantasy Secret Lair coming as the crossover in Assassin's Creed. What's your hype level? What's your hype level on these two? Are these ones that might tempt you to actually buy a Secret Lair drop? Negative 100 on Assassin's Creed from my end uh, because I never liked the franchise. Final Fantasy, though, makes up for that by so much. <laughs> I uh, The only thing here is I talked a little bit about this with Richard. I am tired of Final Fantasy VII being the only game that gets anything. Like, like it's like, yes, brand new Final Fantasy stuff. Well, it's Final Fantasy VII. And uh, there, there's a lot of Final Fantasy games. I really hope they don't just stick with that. I do hope because of the recent success uh, and resurgence in their MMO uh, Final Fantasy XIV that we get even something from there. Just give me something just not from 7. Not that I think 7's a bad game. I think 7's fine. It's the mm -hmm. first one that I played. I just think that it's kind of like, you know, like, hey, here is Metallica playing, you know, like this, the same popular song for a hundred times in a row, right? Like, like I, I don't, I don't want the biggest and the, like, I get it. It's the most recognizable entry into the franchise, but I think there's so many cooler characters, cooler items, uh, uh, things across the board that they could just print into the Final Fantasy secret layer. Of course, the secret layer is probably only going to be five to six cards, so... Yeah, it'll probably just be seven at the end of all of this. <laughs> I, I'm wholly ready to be disappointed. If you asked me at the beginning of Universe Beyond, like, which franchise you want to see? I'm like, Final Fantasy. What do I want to see? I want to see a mono art, one card from each game. Heck, you know, make it like, I don't know what we're on, like 15, 16, like 16 cards. Yeah, we're on there. 15? Of course, what it's going to be is like five generic commander staples with random Final Fantasy 7-2 screenshots on it, and we're going to be super sad. Uh, like, if, if Arcane taught me anything, like, don't get too hyped for this. Uh, God. <laughs> the Arcane secret layer was super weak sauce. So I'm really hoping, because, like, Wizards, Japan knows what they're doing. Like, they, 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 they stepped in here and did something about it, and we actually have, like, legit Final Fantasy cards and not just, like... Final Fantasy 7 and the timing yeah. looks bad because Final Fantasy 7 2 is coming out and I'm just, it's just not it's just not looking good for like any actual legit cards you know give me give me give me a Dragoon man give me give me a Black Mage give me anything not uh, okay I want a Tonberry King I want a Mogul I want I want all of these things like yeah. I, I'm curious though okay is it too is it too okay enough time has passed this isn't a spoiler right I mean, it, it's clearly 7 uh, I want to rest in peace with Aerith, <laughs> but but I don't want it updated. They, I they want cannot it. spoil it. Wait, wait, wait but, no, wait, no, you spoiled it. No, it hasn't happened in seven two yet, right? Seven no, one didn't happen. Okay, all right. Well, you know, oh, what? Uh, no, 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 no. Se seven seven has been out for long enough because this is what I'm saying. All right, but, but the whole I generation want... of Fortnite kids are playing the seven remake, and they're like, oh, I can't wait to get to Endgame with Aerith. Oh, you know? yeah, right. Gonna... You, you think a Fortnite child is going to play Final Fantasy seven? You really think they're gonna sit down and play that? <laughs> I, I I will tell you this. I think that I want to rip 
with Aerith, and I want it to be the old art, like the old graphics, the PS1 where there's like three polygons. <laughs> and I want those <laughs> weird little egg almond hands <laughs> like over her chest. Dude, that that devastated me as a child. So yeah, like Grim, see, you, I, you gotta go full edge sword. Give me give me dismember. <laughs> Not rolls. <laughs> give me Doom Blade. G- give me give me one of these, you know, really solid. <laughs> Damn, Richard. Damn, dude. That is that is that is dark. I love it. I'm here for it. I I, I want it. I want it. But like like that's what I'm saying though. Okay, outside of that, like I, I want it to be everything else that is in the world of Final Fantasy. I think a while back I asked for that as a secret layer. You know, you would uh, obviously talked about it, but yeah, just how they handled Arcane was like they almost nailed. That. I was like, oh, this is so unlike them to like jump on it and nail it that quick. They got the Arcane secret layer. Then I saw the secret layer. I'm like, wow, this is <laughs> terrible. <laughs> So prepare to be disappointed if you're a Final Fantasy fan. Is that is that the TLDR? I I I am I am hopeful. I am hopeful just because there's every uh, there's I want it to succeed. I want it to do well because I want something that I can really get excited for. Um, and so will they? I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not gonna fault them either because seven is the most iconic and it's the one that's always talked about. But like. I tweeted out, I, I like, it's just like, yo, what if like Strixhaven Stadium was altered into hut, like hut, like Blitzball, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, like, but with a Godzilla treatment. So yeah. like you, you could do a lot in the world of Final Fantasy, but we know they're just going to stick to seven. I won't fault them for it. As long as it just doesn't look as bad as the, some of the art, like some of the arcane ones are really good. The dress, it was really cool. But then there's the ones that just look like I took a photo of you screen capping a, a shot of the show. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what is this weird three times removed photo of an arcane like screenshot? Well, at least these aren't coming out until I think 2023 or maybe even 2024. So we got a while. So maybe that means there's enough time for them to make uh, sweet art and not just take some screen <laughs> caps. They can update that screenshot folder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're pulling up every AMV that's existed from 2000. <laughs> so those are the new secret layer drops. We don't have time to get into it, but we did get a couple more spoilers from the Brothers War. So if you want to check out Mishra and its Mel Bear, you should go over to mdtpreviews.com and, and take a look, see what you think. I don't think we can get to fish mail this week, but Richard, we'll probably have some time next week. So where should people send their questions for fish mail? All right, send all your angry 30th anniversary hate <laughs> mail <laughs> uh, to MTG Fishmail on Twitter, hashtag MTG Fishmail. Make sure you tag Wizards Magic, too, because we can't do anything about it. Uh, but maybe they can see True. it. And uh, maybe we'll select some salty replies to talk about <laughs> next week. And, and petition for, for more than just Final Fantasy VII stuff. I, I, that is the news that hit me the hardest, so I, I, yeah. I need that. <laughs> Because it lifts you up, and then you're like, oh, it's going to be pure disappointment. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I think that brings us to the end of episode 402 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Grimm, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to read your angry Magic 30th anniversary letters and talk about whatever else goes out of the world of Magic. So, until then. Final Fantasy requests. or those. Until then, have a great week, everyone, and this is a crew signing out.